Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronze. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, my camera mount's probably giving out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I have got the one and only bearded brethren across the octagon from myself this evening, Golf Tee Vapes himself. How you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. Ready to chop some kicky punches. Kind of mad that I um, wasn't feeling quite up to um, doing the What Did I Say show on Sunday because, man, that was wild last week. And it was a thing of beauty. Like, that card ha- was way better than it had any right being, to be quite honest, that's, as far as fights were concerned. exactly how I described it. I, was, I had a friend of mine who doesn't follow MMA at all but knows that I'm very much into it and that – there was something going on Saturday night. And when I talked to them Sunday, they're like, so how did your fights go? And literally I was, the response I had immediately was they were better than they had any right to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, considering we mainly cover UFC here. Yeah. We touch on some other ones like BKFC and Bellator and everything. My thought is this weekend, we are definitely getting a really bad leftover. Thank God for there being Bellator with a couple of, pretty good fights on there and i, say I was gonna cool. say i it's don't not remember a lot, the last time i non-ironically said thank god for bellator but man if this weekend is they are coming in fucking clutch because talk about dropping the goddamn ball now to be fair i have literally been saying it on this show for four fucking years now the show before a pay-per-view and the show after a pay-per-view are almost always garbage in the ufc you can almost set your watch by it this is just more proof in the pudding we had a pretty damn good showing at 273 last weekend and sure the fuck enough this card lost its co-main event and subbed it in didn't even shift around fights that were already on it subbed it in but we'll we'll get in we'll get into more of that in in just a little bit here um before we get into the craziness that is this weekend's ufc and bellator cards uh there are a little bit of news and fight announcements here that i do want to go over here real quick before we jump into the fun stuff um first and foremost uh the most relevant upcoming piece of news we've got here uh just a few weeks away ironically enough uh just officially confirmed May 13th in Omaha will be the runback of Beck Rawling versus Britton Hart in BKFC, one of the larger ladies BKFC fights that really started to put that side of the brawling on the map in terms of ladies starting to get a little recognition. And now both of those ladies have significantly, uh, re- yeah, excuse me, words are hard life, 
both of those ladies have significantly progressed from where they were, albeit Beck has taken a, a little time off recently, but she is getting back into it, as we'll talk about some other folks here in a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, so she is, is said she is fully committed again, so she's coming back in, and Britton Hart is here to show her that things have changed, and I am very fucking excited to see that fight. You know, with all that time, Beck Rawlings took off. She's a hell of a fucking boxer. I'll give her that. But all that time is going to give her some rust. And Britton Hart has not had that fucking time off. She's been in there grinding and taking people's heads off in the meantime. Yeah, she sure the fuck has. She has quite literally become one of the faces of BKFC, not just the lady side, but literally as a whole, the organization is representing themselves on the shoulders of Britton Hart as well they should be. So I'm very fucking stoked to see how that one shakes loose. Um, June 4th, over on the UFC side of things, Aaron Blanchfield jumping back in there, taking on J.J. Aldrich, who is surprisingly enough, I had to look it up and confirm it, on a three-fight win streak right now. Uh, Blanchfield is coming in with a decent head of steam of her own, but I somehow did not even realize that J.J. Aldrich has managed to string three in a row together, albeit not most not the most exciting fights in the world. She's still on a three-fight streak right now, so that's something to, to tip your hat at at least and we it's know blanchfield is capable of fucking craziness because we've seen a little bit of what she's got to offer already so i'm very curious to see how this one's going to shake loose and obviously going to have some impact moving forward up in the division um the June 25th card for the UFC gave us a pair of announcements this week. Um, the first one, Chris Curtis stepping back in to take on Rodolfo Vieiro. That's going to be a very interesting fight. Striker versus BJJ guy trying to convert to a striker. Um, but the other one that I think is even more interesting for that card uh, Neil Magny stepping back in to take on Shavkat Rachmanov, um, crazy Mongolian fucking grappler against one of arguably the UFC's best grapplers prior to his arrival. Uh, that could be a very interesting fight unto itself. The pair of them added to that card definitely puts a little more flavor on there. You can tell they're getting closer to International Fight Week when they're starting to announce multiple fights at a time now kind of nice i miss the days of knowing like the next six cards because now you're like you're lucky if you know one or two full cards coming yeah, up at this point half of the card coming up ahead of us still isn't put together literally yeah like next week's card is not complete right now we're two days from a card and they still don't have next week's card finished yeah, they don't have them listed. Like, I remember you used to be able to go on. You could go directly to the UFC website. I was going to say, you used fantastic. to be able to go to the UFC's website, yeah, for and literally the quarter see and a half. Four cards in a row where they were mostly complete. They might be adding, a, like, a early prelim here or a prelim fight. I was going to say, they didn't always have them broken down as, like, prelim versus main card, but they would just have the list of the fights that were on every card coming up. Yeah, and so that was nice, and now all of a sudden, they it's like they took a step back in regression once they 
kind of went public and changed all of that. And not a fan. I enjoyed it the other way around, especially being somebody who likes to knowing that doing what we do, I like to go out and look ahead so that we have time to do the correct background research, especially when we're going into things like it. And, you know, you like to have a little bit of knowledge up here prior to going in. It's kind of like being an on the spot analyst while you're watching a fight. If you don't know the background on the fighters, you're going to look like a shithead. Right. Yeah. I'm not here to look like a shithead. Don't get me wrong. There is the occasional time where, I will say the wrong fucking thing that happens to fucking everybody. But for the most part, I kind of like to know what the hell I'm talking about. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, if you look at, hell, let's just go to way that all our, of our cards have looked as far as the pickums on topology lately. We were all pretty goddamn spot on with it. So I'm just saying there's something up with that that tells you we're paying attention. I don't think anybody in the group is under 500 right now. I think everybody in the group is like 650 or better right now. Yeah. I had a rough week two weeks ago. This last week, not so bad, though. Right. Yeah, same. My my week before last, I had a pretty rough going. This last week was pretty fucking decent. We showed those uh, tapology report cards, if you will, on the uh, What Did I Say show this weekend. If you guys didn't get a chance to catch that, I encourage you to peek on over to that after this one's over here. Um, but the next, I don't even know if I really want to call it interesting, but the next unusual, that's what we'll call it. The next unusual announcement that we got here, um, July 16th in Mexico city, Mexico, the Triller premier boxing event will be headlined by Andy Ruiz jr. Versus Tyrone Spong. Um, originally this was going to be Tyrone Spong versus Usyk, which made somewhat sense. It's, it still didn't really make sense experience wise, but size wise and power wise, it, it made good sense. Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. Stepping in for Usyk because Usyk was sick, uh, or injured. I believe, I think he hurt his bicep if I remember right. Um, I don't think that's a, a good substitute fight at all. Granted, we know clearly from the fights with Anthony Joshua that Ruiz has power. That's not a fucking question. If he lands clean, he's going to rock anybody's fucking jaw. But the same could be said of Deontay Wilder. Look what happened both times he went up against Tyson Fury. Sometimes power is not enough. And that was a beautiful example of that because that 300-pound man was flamenco dancing on the bronze bomber all over the goddamn place. And Undertaker sat up on his fucking ass. So power doesn't do everything. (laughs) No. Although, you know, you do have to give – I have to give Ruiz credit where he is due. He's a legitimately good boxer. He absolutely is. He really is. He, he is going to test oh, Tyrone's spine for sure. You said the keywords right at the beginning. It's a thriller card. So that explains all of the fuckery that goes on there. And guaranteed, they're both going to get paid a stupid amount of money for a shitty fucking just... Triller as a whole, I've said it before, I'll say it again. They're absolute garbage of the martial arts world, boxing world as a whole. It's just something that if you're trying to get somebody to watch and learn any sort of combat sport, 
don't let them watch Triller. That's an absolute fucking clown show. Bring them into something else. Stay the fuck away from that. I tell you, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to watch that with 100% certainty. I have no yearning to watch it, nor will I plan to watch it. You couldn't pay me to watch that. Well, to be fair, um, ironically enough, Mike Tyson himself actually gave me a new perspective on this. Um, I believe it was this last either Sunday or Monday. Uh, the newest episode of Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson with Israel Adesanya was on, which was fucking spectacular. If you have not watched that, I highly encourage you to set an hour half of your day tomorrow aside and just let it play in the background. You don't need to watch. They're sitting on a fucking couch. They don't do anything. Uh, but the conversations that they have in this hour and a half overall are just genuinely showing you the intellect of fighters, Tyson and Adesanya both. But one of the conversations that they get to is about how Triller has literally not only just embraced the, the concert slash entertainment side of the fights that they put on, but leaned into it so hard that they have literally started putting on multi uh, musician concerts during the seven and nine hours that is their whole fight event. And he made a point of, if you've ever gone to a live fight event of a decent size, call it a dozen fights just for argument's sake. We'll say six fights on the main card, seven on the prelims. Even if those fights go fairly quickly in an average MMA boxing event, you're looking at five to 10 minutes between each fight of just DJ filling <laughs> fucking house music and weird fucking lighting and people meandering through the goddamn crowd. And then the next fight happens. And even if it's quick, then you've got another 10 minutes or more of in weird lighting and people fucking meandering and nothing happening in a span of nine hours that could be a lot of dead fucking time and in general you're investing the better part of your day and a chunk of money for this experience the better part of that experience being the filler time so why not take advantage of that filler time by literally putting on a fucking concert now granted they could do a hell of a lot better with the selection of artists and the presentation of the concerts that they're doing, but they're charging the same amount for trailer event tickets that you would pay for a general admission local MMA show. The last trailer event, I think they said general floor tickets were like $35 and you could get them at the door walking in for a nine hour event with Metallica as the fucking concert. They did like an hour or 45 minute long fucking set. For 35 bucks, even if the fight sucked, that's three fucking concerts for 35 bucks with Metallica as the fucking main event. That's not a bad deal for a live venue ticket value. I'm not saying I agree with everybody that choose, but if you think about it from the people who are spending the money to go there's point of view. Okay. It's literally dinner and a show. Let's, let's go this route. I don't agree with that at all. 
<laughs> for the, I'm going to go this route for this reason. If you want to be a concert venue, be a fucking concert venue. There are those of us that legitimately care about combat sports, whether right. it be boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, MMA, jiu-jitsu, whatever the fucking case is, combat sambo, whatever. I don't want to, if I'm paying to go watch that stuff, I don't give a damn about the little five-minute fillers in between fucking fights. Don't give a flying fuck. If you want to give me 30 minutes so I have time to go get another beer too. from the concession stand, yes, please. Right. But I am not there to see a fucking concert. If I'm going to a concert, I'm in a completely different mindset. Right. I'm still going to be drinking, but I'm in a different kind of world than me going yeah, to watch a whole different focus in that case, yeah. No. Look, I'm perfectly all right with the idea of somebody who... All right, let's... Let's go this route because this was on my show last night. We were talking to a certain somebody about trying to get their wife to go to um, a BKFC event coming up in Great Falls. You know, her birthday's there. She's not the biggest thing in the kicky punchies. Okay. Thriller might be the set for her then. Because you know what? You'll still get your little piece of the pie. She'll get her concerts. She'll get all her entertainment. Yeah, exactly. However, that is not most people. Most people who want to see a fight are going to watch the fights. They don't give a flying fuck about what DJ music is playing or any of that. That is at the farthest back portion of people's mind. Do you think people that show up to watch Tai to Ivasa knock somebody out and do a shooey give a flying fuck if there's a concert at the same time? No. I'm just saying. Yes, their idea is solid in a way but it's not for combat sports get that shit the fuck out of here shorten your fucking pay you want to do all of the fucking musical shit do it all before the fight start and then run those fights bam 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 look if you want to do an hour intermission between the prelims and the main card or a half hour fine the ufc does that bellator does that from the second they go from prelims to their fucking pay-per-view cards there's always usually about a half hour 45 minutes before you get that next fight and what do they fill that with analyst commentary and things like that things that are pertinent to the fight if they threw in a concert in there okay i'd be okay with that but still i wouldn't be paying attention to that i'd be like okay you know i got another 30 minutes i'm gonna go chug a beer and do a shot but yeah it's just not the place i Concerts are not the place for MMA. I don't expect to go to a backyard brawl and then see fucking um, a goddamn backyard concert at the same time. No. Do you think they do that shit down in South Florida where fucking Jorge Masvidal came from? No. You go in, you fight, and they fucking leave. That's it. Not throwing concerts. Ain't no fucking mariachi bands coming to play or anything like that. Fucking nonsense. Get out of here with that. Nobody is worried about that. The only music I want to hear or pay attention to is the walkouts. So I want to see what kind of shit gets that fighter hyped. That uh, and how, because you know what? That tells you a lot about a fighter is what they come up to with their fucking walkout music. Fuck yeah. You know, I'm just saying, little fucking weird for me. I can't get behind it. I can, I can understand that side of it as well. I'm just saying the fact that Tyson was able to see that and point it out. I was like, okay, 
I, I get that, especially considering the fact that somebody like Mike Tyson obviously is going to get invited to every single fucking fight event that takes place everywhere across the fucking world till he dies. So some of those eventually are going to end up being an obligatory fucking attendance, make your presence seen kind of thing. So if you're going to have to pick and choose and you're going to end up being at a bunch of fights, regardless whether you want to see them or not, I can understand from that point of view, wanting a little bit more entertainment during the downtime than the average person who's literally just there to watch the next fight, regardless of fucking how the last one went. Exactly. I, 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 and I get it from their, their, from Tyson's point of view and even Triller's. I get it, but I don't agree with it. That's why I don't, I won't watch their events because they're a fucking circus. Right. If I, I want to watch a three exactly ring why circus. Get my money though. Yeah. If I want to watch a three ring circus, I'll go to the fucking circus. At least there, my kid might get to ride an elephant. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I just, I thought, you know, if they're going to stick to boxing, stick to boxing. If you're going to stick to MMA, stick to MMA. But the fact that they keep trying to do these mixed combat fucking weirdness, it's, uh, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. I, I, I like where Tyson's head was at, though. I get it. As far as the entertainer in him is concerned, because he's not, look, Mike Tyson is ascended beyond the point of being a fighter. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen him in movies and other shit. He's an entertainer as a whole now. Don't get me wrong. We did get that nice little um, tidbit of watching him do that exhibition on Driller, which right. I- I'm glad we got to see it because he's still an absolute killer. Fuck yeah. But at the same time, I I was mad that I paid for that. Yeah, I can get I can understand that for sure. Like, I should have just waited till the next day and went on fucking YouTube and watched it on YouTube. Yeah. But, you know, me being me, I'm like, I'm a big Tyson fan. So when I did tune in to watch that and all of the other fuckery that was there that took until fucking midnight. Yeah. No. no. The only midnight cards oh, I want to see are, are like fucking last weekend where it runs till midnight. That was right. worth my fucking while because it was war after absolute war. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Not a war. Oh, and then we're going to throw in some TLC lookalike fucking shitty pop group. No, I don't give a fuck about that stuff. I'm just saying. Move on. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I was, I'm not going to say I was excited because I wasn't, but I was at least somewhat interested in Usyk versus Spong because they're essentially, numerically at least, on paper, they're pretty fucking close. They're the same size. They're the same build. They stylistically fight fairly fucking similar. And then you throw Ruiz in there, and now it's just it's it's back to fucking Triller weirdness again. So it's know, amazing it was, how far we went from talking about that fight to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, tells you how much I hate Triller. Right. Good times. <laughs> Oh, but uh, that'll get us into the uh, not quite as fun section of the news here that we still have to talk about. Um, there have been some roster changes uh, in the UFC, I think is the best way to segue into this. Um, the first announcement we've got here, uh, 
we've said it time and time again, just because the UFC cuts you does not in any sense of the imagination mean that your time is over. It just means that currently you're not at the level they need you to be for what they want you to do in the UFC. Go to your local circuit, go to a different organization, string together a couple of runs. You absolutely can get back. But if when you come back, you do the exact thing that got you cut the first time, they'll fucking cut you again. Case in point, we got the confirmation yesterday officially, Chase Sherman has been released from his UFC contract. It didn't expire. They didn't choose not to pick him back up. They have released him from his UFC contract. Um, with this latest loss, with his submission loss to Jake Collier, which is embarrassing unto its fucking self, um, that put him at one in three in his second run in the UFC, the first one being two and five before he got cut, came back and then went one and three. And when the UFC saw that third one, they went, no, no, we're, we're fucking good. So they have officially released him from his contract. Now, the other one that we got here is, or the other two, I should say, are a little bit different from that. Uh, these two are both surprising announcements, but in both situations, it was both fighters literally fighting out their contracts and then the UFC just opting not to renew them. Uh, the first one of those was Alex Cowboy Oliveira, the Brazilian cowboy, which we talked about a little bit last night on TJ's show, is a fucking surprise to pretty much all of us that have been paying attention. Aside from being a staple of the UFC for damn near a decade, 22 fucking fights under the UFC banner, taking a literal grenade explosion and coming back to fighting. Um, he unfortunately in his last couple has gone two and seven. And I did not realize that either until I saw this and then went looking into his record a little bit more to see what the fuck. Uh, but yeah, despite being a fucking reliable staple dude that you can always count on great fucking fighter two and seven just doesn't get you kept around these days. So, uh, that unfortunately was enough for them and they decided just not to renew Cowboys contract, which sucks. You know, the only problem I have with that are there are other fighters that have gone two and seven and are still on the fucking roster. And it's kind of the and, way I looked at it. But it, look, I hate normally I'm like cut those motherfuckers. I'm normally that person, but he's been perennial around for what two decades now. And the dude never has a boring fight. Win, lose, or draw, his fights are not boring. He's one of those fighters that get eyes locked into the screen. Fuck yeah. And that's the only reason I would fight for him to stay, but you know, two and seven, it is what it is. I mean, there's people like Smiling Sam that I thought they were going to cut plenty of times, but the motherfucker keeps right. somehow coming back from the dead. Right, he's literally on the tail end of a nine-fight losing skid right now, and the UFC agreed to give him his last fight on his contract so that he can just retire after that to potentially retire on a 10-fight losing skid. So the fact that I agree 100%, guys like Smiling Sam are still around and were able to convince the UFC to give him one more on a nine-fight fucking losing streak... 
And then guys like Cowboy, who legitimately actually put on good fights despite him not always winning them, sucks. I, I get it, but it sucks. It's weird. I, I'm guessing it's probably just because he's worth too much. That's what I was just going to say. I think it's because of his fucking paycheck at this point. Because Sam's paychecks can't be that fucking good. No, I, I believe Sam said he's still fighting for 75 and 75. Yeah, um, and you know, Cowboy Oliveira was making way more than that for as long as he's been around, and considering he had a couple runs at the title, sir. Yeah. Just saying, who knows? Could be part of it. Still pisses me off, though. Right, I agree. I Restructure agree. the dude's fucking contract. Tell him, hey, you want to stay? Like, you're gonna make a little yeah, less. Cut him a different fucking contract. Exactly. Shit. But. Uh, the other one, though, the one that I understand a hell of a lot more and I have way less of a problem with, um, the UFC decided after the most recent fight not to renew the contract of Kay Hansen um, after her last not only decision lost to a debut fighter uh, that put her at one in three in her UFC career, but she also missed weight by two and a half fucking pounds in her last outing and then lost the fight on top of that. Um, I absolutely get it. When Kay Hansen first burst onto the fucking scene, she legitimately shot in like a rocket, looked like she had so much potential. And then she quite literally took her eye off the fucking prize and did what every fighter tells you, you cannot fucking do and focused all of her attention everywhere other than fighting as soon as she started to get the slightest bit of tension in the fighting world. It's been said a million fucking times. It will be said a million more times. I am sure of it. Do what got you to the fucking dance. If you got famous for fighting, be a fighter. Other things will be there when you're done fighting. You will not be famous for fighting if you focus on all of the other things and then cannot fight anymore. Conor McGregor. Um, it will impact your bottom line financially. <laughs> yeah. I Look, prime example, Paige Van Zandt. She got known for being a pretty decent grappler and a decent... Mixed martial arts, also decent. That's how she made her way into the UFC. When she started fucking focusing off into other things, her UFC career went like this. Uh, and look, I understand it, but it's going say, oh, well, the broken arm thing. No, I'm just using this as an example. Yes, she kept coming back to fight, which tells me she is a true fighter, even after the multiple surgeries on her arm, whatever. Yeah, the passion but is undeniably there you noticed that once she really started to fan out into other things, that took a straight nose dot. So let's go to BKFC. Get your ass whipped a couple times there. Now, purely and only fans go. I'll say it out loud. I don't give a goddamn. That's... Don't forget the AEW contract. Oh, yep. And yeah, now AEW. So and guess what? Now she's double dipping. She's going to get some uh, old McMahon's money and all of the countless I'm mean, countless amounts of people that are paying for only fans because look all good sir she's a very pretty woman so people are gonna pay to see that I get it still I liked her much better as a fighter 
the one that wanted to come back after multiple surgeries on an arm. Yep. That was, that was the kind of thing I want to see when you start dipping off into other things. That's cool. I get it. You have to have a backup plan for when fighting is no longer a viable option when either you've retired or if you lost the step or whatever the case may be, but don't focus so much on those have them as kind of a side note of we'll get this little fish ready to throw into the ocean before oh we're just going to take this fish and throw them clean in the ocean while i'm already out in the ocean doing this other thing no doesn't work if and to be clear we might joke around and and make fucking jokes and comments about girls making OnlyFans. I will never knock a fucking fighter for doing what they got to do to make their fucking bills pay. If you got a side hustle, make your fucking money. We might make jokes, but it's literally just that. It's all in jest. Make your fucking money. My issue comes into play when girls like Kay Hansen, the perfect example, start focusing so much on wearing bikinis and posing and promoting your OnlyFans that you stop focusing on fighting and it shows to the extent that you go one in three after being a highly touted prospect and are still posting bikini pics after you're cut from the fucking UFC, the thing that you literally got famous and created the only fans from you're, you're clearly starting to let your focus away from fighting impact your future. And that's when it starts to get disappointing. I think and that's that same point I made. It's sure. It's fine to start getting that little fish fed so it's big enough to eat once it gets out in the open ocean but you got to focus on where you're at already you were a small fish that jumped into a very big pond you got a lot bigger really quick and to be honest when she first came in she had a lot of fucking potential Dude, that fucking arm bar with the blood running down her face and the fucking scream afterwards everybody was like god damn this chick's gonna be somebody yeah, I was I was fucking jumping on that hype train right at that time. I was like, that's the kind of fucking fighter I want to see. My hand is right up there with you, dude. I'm not even fucking ashamed to admit it. When I saw what she fucking did her first time out, I was like, this is something to keep your fucking eye on. Because if she can keep doing this, god damn, that's going to be a problem for the division. Hell yeah, because that was somebody who wanted it. And then, obviously, the mind led astray. Got to yeah. think oh i should no spread your wings after you're a fucking superstar and you're completely locked into what you do the profession now to be honest i would not expect any less than to see a um bellator contract or not even a bellator contract bkfc will probably get a hold of her granted she's not a she's not the greatest fucking stand-up artist though but bkfc will get older or pfl maybe yeah, they, PFL even. Ladies over there as well. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe this is the wake-up call she needs to get her focus back on track. And I, I hope that's the case. But like we mentioned earlier with fucking Chase, uh, there is absolute proof in the pudding that just because you get cut does not by any chance mean the end of it. If you go to another organization and get your fucking shit together, put your nose back to the fucking grindstone and get back to what got you to the fucking dance, you can absolutely get picked back up and have a damn good career, provided you make something of it. Look at Jan Blahovich. Look at Glover fucking Tejera. Look at plenty of other fucking great examples in the UFC. There's lots of guys who are on their second run. Or have had a, or had a r- long rough patch in there, and then all of a sudden they fucking came out from the grave. Look, yep. 
it's this might be the turning point in her career and i mean i hope it is because we saw that prospect of greatness in her we saw anybody who watched that fight or she just fucking just covered and just the primal scream that fucking came out at the end of that fucking fight you knew she had it in her i'm just hoping this gets her focus back on track of saying man I really screwed the pooch here. Where do my priorities lie? Look, if your priorities don't lie with this, that's fine. I get it. If your priorities lie with doing OnlyFans to pay the bills, you do you. I'm not mad at you. Pay your fucking bills. Do what you got to do to have a comfortable living. To be honest, being selfish here, I hope she goes, fuck, I really screwed the pooch on this and goes out there and goes to either PFL or Bellator and makes a great fucking run where the UFC goes. Man, we might have screwed the pooch here. We need to get her back. And then fucking offer her another contract and see where she's at. Maybe two, three years down the line. Because she's still relatively young. What is she, 24 or something like that? 22. Oh, yeah, she's a fucking Just baby. Just turned 22. Yeah, she's a fucking baby. So she's got plenty of time. I'm yeah. just saying. There is that opportunity there. It's similar. To it, like I, when I look at fighters that are that young. You, it's it, you, you got time to fuck up at 22. As, as strange as it, it does sound, I almost hope that at this point she realizes that she's fucked up. She signs with PFL, gets herself a couple of million dollar checks so she doesn't have to focus on all of the side hustle bullshit that clearly distracted her before, runs a great fucking resume over in PFL, gets her bank account secure a little bit, and then comes back to the UFC with the fire that we initially fucking saw, and no more distractions. Because if that's the case, man, she could legitimately be somebody. Yeah. Only if she buckles down, though. Clearly, distraction is a very big problem for her. So, And I think of them young... The only problem I have with the young fighters is young fighters, look, at 22 years old, I didn't I was still fucking wild, reckless, wasn't, didn't have my ducks in a row. I was an idiot, yeah. Young fighters are the same way. As much as I hate to say it, there's, uh, what is that fucking uh, Muay Thai fucking 17-year-old kid who fights over in 1FC? Um, you know I'm talking about? The little uh, little tiny blonde, absolute yeah. fucking killer. I forget what the fuck her name is for the life of me. It starts with an S, but um, that girl at 17 is... Fucking gnarly. As far as the Muay Thai is concerned, if I remember her name later in the show, I'll pop it off. But um, that kind of fighter, 17 years old, definitely no ducks in a row. Still in fucking school. So God only knows where that fish may land. But even at 22, that's the same concept. That's only five years removed. Guess what? You're three years out of high school at 22. You throw me in front of a national fucking audience at 22 to fight somebody. And I get my first one. Yeah, I'm going to be fucking wild. And then I'm going to do some crazy shit afterwards and probably end up in jail. Or you'll be seeing the Batwing or the fucking goat on my OnlyFans. Because why not? I've got a national audience. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. Um, just saying. I just... And I get it. It, it might have just been a temporary lapse in judgment. And I'm hoping that's what it is. But we'll right. see moving forward here, depending on where she goes from here. Yeah, we'll see. Um, from there, though, um, we got a couple of odd announcements, uh, we'll say, on the tail end of the news segment here. 
Um, the first one we got uh, was news from Jacques Array. Uh, there have been a lot of rumors, and a lot of speculation, and he's been real quiet and just kind of letting it all float out there, letting the rumors do their do the dirty work for him as it, it goes. Um, but he did officially come out this week and do an interview and, and put it all to bed. Um, he is officially retired from MMA. He is done with MMA. He understands that there's a reason he shouldn't be doing MMA anymore, and he's not going to force that issue. What he did say, on the other hand, though, is that he is open to a couple of boxing matches, potentially, two to be specific. Uh, one of them being Big Mouth Winehead, Paulo Costa. The other one being Vitor fucking Belfort. Um, I would absolutely be down to see either one of those boxing matches because Jacare, despite being the crocodile, literally being known for world-class, deadly Brazilian jiu-jitsu, had some pretty fucking good hands as well. He did not lack for much in the striking department. He just preferred the jujitsu because that was his literal bread and butter. That being said, he knocked Vitor the fuck out and says he could do it again in a boxing ring with bigger gloves this time now that they're both old. I hate to say it, but that's going to end up as a thriller event and I'm going to fucking watch it. <laughs> nope. I refuse. If it ends up on thriller, I decline to watch it. I will watch it on some shitty fucking, some other shitty promotion, but I will not watch it if it's on thriller. As much as I like to see it, no, thriller no longer gets my money. That whole organization as a whole. If it was on fire in front of me, I wouldn't piss on it to put it out. I get it. I get it. And look, they can do all the interesting, weird fucking fights they want. I'm not into it. Don't care. Fuck them. I would rather watch those two fight on the side of the road than fucking Triller. <laughs> I'm just saying. Dirt parking lot. I will pay you $70 pay-per-view for that as long as it is not Triller run. <laughs> No, I, I get it. Triller's fucking garbage. But that being said, uh, I would absolutely be open to watching either one of those fucking boxing matches. Even if it does end up being on fucking Triller, I'll fucking watch either one of those boxing matches. Um, last two little pieces of news here we've got to talk about real quick, though. Um, kind of polar ends of the spectrum, as it were, literally. Um, the first one we've got here... Um, Marlon Marais has officially announced his retirement from MMA. Um, this is not necessarily what a lot of fans are going to want to hear, but this is also what a lot of us fans have non-maliciously been hoping for. And, and yeah, absolutely fucking hats off to a man that I openly thought a year and a half, two years ago was going to be the fucking champion of the division and instead made a 100% solid downhill slide uh, due in good part to the loss of his chin. Um, the good part, if there is a good part, the silver lining, I think would be a better way to put it. The silver lining of this situation is that Marlon Marais is taking advantage of one of those things that we as hardcore fans kind of 
always really talk about rooting for and that we would rather see you hang up your gloves while you can form complete sentences and walk a straight line without shaking than to see you hang up your gloves because you physically can't fight anymore. He's doing that now. I can't say an ill word about it. Uh, hats off to you for a fucking great career. Thank you for fucking years of fucking amazing, entertaining fucking fights. Uh, I hope he finds something extremely fucking lucrative in his future because he is absolutely one of those that he can go open a fucking gym and start coaching and be a fucking world-class talent in the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. I wish that dude nothing but the best. He gave us years of great fights and just fucking magic there was a reason why it was magic marlon rice the dude literally lived up to that fucking name except for the last year or two but knowing that he obviously lost a step there and having the wherewithal to lay the gloves down my hat is completely off to him and i really hope that we see him as a coach somewhere because there's a lot of shit he can teach a lot of young fighters to make it to the UFC where we're going to get to see some great talent because of a great talent teaching them. And if I was 16, 17 years old wanting to fight and he opened up gym, that's where I'm going. And as ironic as it is, um, if he chooses not to open a gym for whatever reason, he would also be a great employee for the UFC to pick up and employ at the P.I., yeah, he would be great at the PI. Hey, shit, they—I bet you they could even talk to talk him into. Oh well, we're going to open up a new PI and wherever. I was going to say you lead it. talking about finding land. Dana literally last weekend at the press conference was talking about how they're actively looking for land in Mexico. They have found land in Brazil. They're waiting for permits to go through, and they're looking for land after Mexico over somewhere in Europe. Uh, but they're waiting for permits to go through to start building the PI in Brazil. Who better to put on your fucking staff down there than a local Brazilian who was a fucking title challenger? Yeah, the dude is, he's almost to the level of Jose Aldo in Brazil. Yeah, he's near. He's that kind of fucking guy. So there would be tons of people that would want to go and train with him and learn from him, pick his brain. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. And not to mention UFCPI plus you get to say, hey, we're going to have this gigantic fighter fucking out there. It's kind of like where Claudia Gadelia is at right now. She's doing that same thing at a PI. Yep. And the UFC is using their resources fucking brilliantly right now with these fighters that are hanging them up and putting them into these great spots, a la Forrest Griffin in the PI in Vegas. I mean, look, the way that they're I, this bring me bring me back to one other thing that I always like to rub in Dana White's face. It is not an opportunity. It is a career. You know how we know this is a career? Because your ass keeps putting them into the jobs that revolve around fighting. Therefore, it's a fucking career. The career might not stay inside of the octagon, but fighting as a whole is a career. It's not just, oh, you get to fight for this long as an opportunity. No, you're going on to coach, run PIs all over. Dana, 
fix your fucking wording, man. It isn't an opportunity. It's a goddamn career. But yeah, right. UFC doing a great job keeping those guys employed and keeping them in their careers. Right. Well, but um, <clears throat> going from that end of the spectrum to quite literally the polar opposite side of things, um, we got confirmation this week, uh, despite it being a rumor for quite a while now, it is indeed official. Uh, the king of cringe himself, Henry Cejudo, has officially re-entered the USADA testing pool. Uh, now, to be fair, he has to have at least six months of clean tests confirmed before he is eligible for a fight, but he has officially re-entered the USADA testing pool, so... There is that. Hello? I'd like to report a crime. Henry Cejudo is back in the USADA testing pool. This is an absolute fucking travesty, and we need him arrested and removed from the pool. Get that absolute piece of garbage out. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, I think as weird and absolutely cringy as it is for him to do all this shit talking and then now absolutely jump back into the pool. The most interesting thing about it for me is that when he left, he was the 25 and 35 pound champion. And now in talking about coming back is FOMAS, excuse me, focused almost completely on 145. He has talked a little bit about 35 just to really fire Aljo up, but he has primarily done most of his talking about Alexander Volkanovsky and the featherweight belt. Now, I don't think there is a universe that exists where he comes back in the USADA pool from 25 and 35 and three and a half years layoff and immediately gets a title shot at 45 where he has literally never had a fight. But being a former two-division champion, I do think if he decides he wants to come back at 45, they will give him a top 15, top 10 contender in his first fight back. And if he wins in dramatic fashion there, we'll jump him up the list quicker than they would most. But I don't think there's a, a way in which there's a possibility Cejudo could get back in the pool with zero fights in three plus years and no fights in the division and immediately get a shot at Volkanovski. That being said, because stranger things have happened, should he get that immediate title shot? I have zero doubt in my mind that Volkanovski will beat the cringe off of that stupid little motherfucker. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to see that, at least not immediately. Dude, you know the worst part is? I, I hate to say it. I think that's exactly what will happen. He'll get his wish. Because Dana White knows two division, former two-division champ coming out of retirement. Let's let him fight for the belt. Allah. Fucking Bisbing getting choked out by St. Pierre. Same concept. I think former guy leaving as a champ comes back to immediate title shot. 
I'm saying former two division champ coming back immediate title shot. It is a very strong possibility. That's all I'm saying. I don't agree with it at all. In fact, the worst part is there was a lot of foreshadowing in the last couple of weeks. How many times he showed up in the fucking embedded series and things like that was kind of telling that, yeah, he's back in the fight game 100%. And I hate that. I was so glad to see him go. Namely, because it's not that he's a bad fighter, because he's not. But no, he can fight. He absolutely can. He's fight. a fucking absolute stain on society and a terrible human being. I think if they were gonna do it, I'd give him an immediate shot like that. Though it would be thirty-five, because that was his division, and he's been talking all kinds of shit with Aljo, and he's got a history with TJ, who he would be jumping over, which would just create even more storyline. And then once he beat Aljo, which I, I absolutely believe he would, then he would go after Volkanovski to get the triple champ bullshit. See, and the way he's the way he's coming back and the way that he's put it out, coming back in the Estada pool, he's only looking at 45. Yeah. He's fucked, he fucked around with the 35 and those guys, but he said he wants to come back to be triple C or quadruple C or whatever the fuck he's going to call himself yeah. now. Yeah. He wants three belts from three different divisions and then oh by the way i'm an olympic gold medalist too which look that in itself is a fucking righteous endeavor to do but i mean i have a feeling they are gonna fucking they're gonna just catapult him right to the top he might get one warm-up fight before it and then six months later he'll be fighting for a title I guarantee he's going to be in the pool. I think they're going to give him like somebody around 10. He's got to be in the pool for what? Three months, right? Nine ish. What's that? He's got to be in the pool pool for like three months, right? He's got to be in there for six before he can take a fight. Six. So, being as he just went in now, we could see him fight as soon as the end of the fucking year. Yeah. He could could be on a November pay per view, literally. Yeah. October, November timeframe, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying it's a possibility. So we could see that happen by the end of the year. Like if I'm a betting man, I'm going to go the long shot here and say he gets the immediate title shot. Why? Because my payout odds are going to be better on that. However, coming from the realistic side of the house, they're going to make him do one warm up fight and then a title shot. And I say That's one warm up fight, it'd probably be like a top 10 guy. It'll probably be right at around the between nine and 11. Yeah, and then okay, yep, you're ready. You're obviously that's, don't have that's to ring be his end of the year fight. They're gonna give him his fucking 10-ish guy at the end of this year, October, November. So that way he gets a fight in in 2022 and then is ready to open up for the first big pay-per-view to turn around of 2023 for the first February, March, whatever the first big pay-per-view of that yeah, year's and be. that's my thoughts too. Is it's gonna be something similar to that. Like I think we'll see him. Probably October, early no, late October, early November, and then somewhere around late February, mid March of next year, for a title somewhere in there. I have a feeling that'll be the way it ends up going because that'll give him like four months between four or five months between fights. Yeah, time to recoup and then get back into camp. Yeah. 
a pussy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I have a feeling that's the way the but, end of this year is going to play look, out. Look, if there's a prop bet out. out there for it, definitely right. bet on him getting an immediate title shot. Put 100 bucks on it. Chances right, are yeah. the odds are We're really fucking wide on that. Yeah, stranger things have happened, exactly. <laughs> but that's one of those ones that I would take that fucking bet just because of him being a former champ champ. Right. So from there, before we jump into the fights coming up this weekend, there is one other little thing that I do want to touch on real quick. Um, it, it's almost a running gag at this point. We openly make fun of the Nevada State Athletic Commission's uh, medical suspensions are always all over the fucking place. The definition of inconsistency. Um, and that's ironically funny in the short-term sense. But then we've got other places where we, we don't even joke about it. We are just flat out open about the fact that almost anywhere in Texas that the UFC goes will be almost face-palmingly bad medical suspensions every fucking time. It doesn't matter how the fights go. The medical suspensions will be unrealistically dramatic in Texas from anywhere. Every fucking time, we've got a track record going back years to prove it. And Florida said, hold my COVID vaccines. We're going to do you one better. We just... Last night, got the medical suspensions from last week's UFC 273 card. Tell me if something sounds a little off to you here. Alexander Volkanovsky and Chan Sung Jung stopped 12 seconds into the fucking fourth fight or fourth round mercifully both of them only two fighters on the card got 14 day medical suspension they had to stop his fucking fight and they could have stopped it at the end of the third round and they gave both of them a 14 day medical suspension but it gets better Aljamain Sterling Kamzat Shemaev, Mackenzie Dern, Mark Madsen, Anthony Hernandez, Jared Vandera, Kay Hansen, Julio Arce, and Daniel Santos are all medically suspended for 30 days. It gets even better because then there's Aspen Ladd and Pyotr Jan who are both medically suspended for 45 days. But the piece de resistance, the cherry on top, is that somehow, out of all of this, Tisha Torres is indefinitely medically suspended in the state of Florida with no, jur- no justification or reasoning behind it. She's just indefinitely medically suspended in the state of Florida in a fight that she arguably fucking won. And didn't take much damage in. Jesus Christ. And the guy who took the most fucking damage of the whole goddamn night. 14 days. Arguably more than he should have fucking taken. Gets the lightest medical suspension of the entire fucking card. 
really florida really no that's that's absolutely wild for two reasons how is it somebody who literally gets their fight stopped before the fight's finished while he's still on his fucking feet only gets 14 days obviously they don't understand concussion protocols because there's definitely a concussion there absolutely there's no question came out of that with a concussion at the very fucking least here's here's the cutest i think they forget when it comes to concussion protocols or whoever the fucking the idiots are that run these concussions take a minimum of about two weeks minimum to recover from and it's there's a multi-step program that goes through to get them from basically it's crawl, walk, run when it comes to concussions. Right. You start with minimal activity for a couple of days, then you do like a light walk and then slowly add on things depending on how you're feeling. Yeah, concussions yeah, can take fucking right. look at high level athletes. It's going to be a little bit different, but even with high level athletes, you're still looking at minimum two weeks. Sometimes they can last fucking months with those types of things. Say, that dude, plenty of fighters who talk about having a month long fucking hideout in their room and sunglasses on that they can't even have LED lights on the VCR because just, it's too much fucking light because of a concussion. So I'm just saying, ridiculous. I, I'm saying minimum, minimum for him should have been 30 days. Minimum. Like to be honest, I would have been happy with three months for him. Absolutely. He's he gonna need it. After and, that, I'd have been fine with a six-month suspension, realistically. And, if they would have said he can't have any contact for six months, I would have been like, yeah, no. that." And Burns and Shemayev could have been the same. Out of him. Yeah. Burns and Shemayev could have been the same. Yep. Would have been perfectly all right with that because both of those boys beat the shit out of each other. Just Torres, what damage did she really take? She wasn't hit that hard. No. She she dominated a good portion of that fucking fight. Yeah, and most she of that arguably fight took won that fight. Yeah, and most of the fight took place on the ground to begin with, with minimal striking because it was a submission battle. Yeah, I'm just saying weird, fucking strange things. I, I didn't see anything that she got into that said she needs to be indefinitely suspended, unless she said something backstage after it right. was all said and done that we don't know about. Like, hey. I felt a terror pop or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, and indefinite, that just means go see a fucking doctor. They'll clear you. But I mean, at the same time, it's no, it, and I think this is where people get a lot of things misconstrued. When it comes to medical suspensions, it means contact for them. So no sparring, anything like that, no grappling, no type of contact between you and another human none of this none of the entanglement shit no what's great is you have fighters like Hamzat who is three days removed from that fight and already back fucking training training again yeah <laughs> like if you guys watching his fucking instagram he was in there doing fucking kettlebell fucking presses and everything already three days after the fucking fight was over on the 12th yeah, yeah. you thought they canceled this goddamn fight the way that he's back to fucking training already <laughs> yeah i'm going that dude is going to be a fucking champion mark my fucking words with that kind of mentality to be back training three days after a fight that's champion material right there three days Um, after his toughest fight of his fucking career at that yeah 
I, I think he's probably, I bet you he's back to training because he was pissed off because he took so many shots. That's exactly what I was thinking is that he went home and was pissed off that he got hit so fucking much and that he wasn't able to do to Gilbert what he did to fucking Lee and that he's got to get fucking stronger so that the next guy he gets in there with, he can do what he did last time and not what happened with Gilbert again. <laughs> I think Gilbert lit an extra fire underneath Kamzad's ass. I really do. You know what pisses me off is I think the kid deserves a title shot, but they're not going to give it to him. They're going to make him probably fight Colby, which is fucking stupid, because if you look at it, Colby has fought, let's see, he fought Masvidal coming off the back-to-back losses from the champ. He fought a fucking beat-up-ass fucking Tyrone Woodley and whatever other fucking scumbag after all. And it's, he's not fighting anybody of notoriety to get a fucking another title shot, in my opinion. But they're making him a gatekeeper to the fucking thing. No, to be honest, Kamzat should have jumped the fucking fence on that one. I, I agree, but I kind of feel like they're, they're using this fight to set up kind of what they just did with Tisha Torres and Mackenzie Dern, where Dana openly said, if Tisha beats Mackenzie, she gets the next title shot. But even if Mackenzie beats Tisha in a dominant fashion, she still has to win two or three more fights before she'll get the title shot. And I feel like this is kind of the same situation that they're setting up here, where if Kamzat comes in, learns from that Gilbert fight, and beats the dog shit out of fucking Colby the way that Kamaru did the first time they fought, he's fighting Kamaru next for the belt because we know he's getting past Leon. But at this point, let Leon get his ass whooping while the Colby, even if he wins, still doesn't get another title shot situation, plays out for Kamzat in the background. So that way, Leon gets his shot. He can quit fucking crying. He's going to get his ass kicked. We all know it. At the same time, Colby, who has to win against Kamzat or he never gets another fucking title shot, still won't get it off that victory. But Kamzat, on the other hand, can beat the shit out of Colby and then get right into the title shot. It's not meritocracy, but I understand it. (laughs) I just think it's stupid. Like, if you look, if you're looking purely at what Colby's done lately, there's no reason he should still be ranked number one. I completely agree. I completely agree. To be honest, he should be looking at number three. I mean, let's see. He's I would say probably five, really. He's lost twice to Usman. He beat up, beat up ass fucking Woodley. A decisioned Lawler. And now this is going all the way back to 2019. And then his most recent win was fucking Masvidal coming off of a loss to fucking Usman. So they were fighting for daddy's attention. Basically. I'm just saying. Fucking bullshit. Uh, the dude doesn't belong up there. I mean, he's only... F- since 2019 that's three fucking years ago at this point and i can say that comfortably because we're four months into this motherfucker going all the way back to 2019 he's fought five times five twice against champ lost both you bottom of the fucking pile you need to win at least six more in my opinion to get back to the fucking title to get a third shot at or the title needs to change hands to somebody you haven't fought yet. Allah, put Kamzad in there and see if he can do the job. Right. Which, to be fair, if 
Kamzad beats the shit out of Colby, and then Kamzad beats the shit out of Kamaru. That sets up the potential Colby versus Kamzad rematch for the belt if Colby can win after Kamzad beats the shit out of him, like I think he will. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just thinking it's I think it's a bad look. But then again, who doesn't want to watch Kamzad smash Colby? That's yeah, I'm I I will absolutely watch Kamzad fight Colby. Although I, he's I been pretty he goddamn radio. Colby's been pretty radio silent though since getting his fucking tooth knocked out. Well, combine the fact that he got his teeth knocked out and the fact that the dude who's literally getting pointed at him now is the scariest fucking guy in the vid- division that will absolutely come find him in the fucking hotel, won't wait for him to fucking go out to dinner. Like, he's going from fu- the frying pan right into the goddamn fire here. Like, he's got nowhere to fucking run and he can't talk his shit like he usually does because this guy will come find him too. Yeah. Um, the, I hate to tell you, man, but Kamzad is another one of those real gangsters that will find you in the wild. Yeah, he fucking will. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> there were several run-ins between Kamzat and Gilbert. If you watch the Embedded series, they ran into each other several times and had to have intervention from someone on somebody's team or the UFC security almost every fucking time that they even saw well, each other, whether it's in the fucking the hallway one. and Kamzat steps out in a towel and yells and gorilla screams at him or, like, at the fucking presser where they literally had to separate the fucking two of them, like... Yeah, I mean that dude's fuck, real as shit. <laughs> you watching Kamzat's fucking coach try to drag him back into the fucking goddamn room <laughs> in that hallway incident. And that shit was funny. Like I get it, but that tells you what kind of person he is. He's, say, that's his mentality, yeah. He's literally there to kill people. When he says I'm gonna kill people, I want to beat them into a pulp, beat them into submission, make somebody throw in a towel, force them to stop me. Make them quit, yep. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. After watching that last five days, though, anybody who had any doubts left in their mind about him, all doubts should be fucking removed at this point. Yeah. The dude is a legitimately good fighter. Yeah. And if there was any doubt about anything in Kamzat's game, really, for the most part, it was, does he really have a chin? We've seen him wrestle. We've seen him punch. But how can he get hit and keep going? And if you go back and just watch the end of the second round, the punch that gilt the clean, the fucking ESPN Sports Center highlight level, clean, full shot right hand that Gilbert lands right on fucking Kamzat's face and wrinkles his goddamn skull for a second. And Kamzat looks at Gilbert and laughs and goes, ha ha ha, and goes right back after him. He literally fucking laughed at the hardest punch he has been hit with in his entire fucking career and attacked back afterwards. Man, the dude wants wants wars. Like That's a scary fucking individual. That's terrifying, man. That motherfucker is here to take what, heads. What's wild <laughs> is he fucking him and Darren Till are like fucking two peas in a pod now. And Till Just is not that guy. Bro. Till is a jokester, a fucking prankster. Hold on, how the fuck does that marriage work? Yeah, the Smash Bros, man. And they are apparently, I'm, according to almost everybody who has hung out with them, they are peas in a goddamn pod at this point. Like, they work perfectly off of each other, and their crazies play perfectly together. So, I'm hoping, hang on, world. It's about to get real, real fast in 70 and 85. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see Till back in there because I'm hoping he's picked up some things from Kamzat 
the work I don't see how he couldn't have. And I'm sure he's picked up a ton of wrestling from him, but what I'm hoping for that he got the most was the work ethic. Because that was something that I felt Till was lacking that kind of screwed him in some of his last later last fights. Between the work ethic of Kamzat and then the wrestling of Gustafson, the guy who runs the gym where they train now, I'm hoping it genuinely rounded out Till's skill set a little bit because we've already seen what he's capable of when he's focused. This is going to get him focused and polish up all the fucking edges and give a whole new fucking fire underneath him. That's potentially the most dangerous there until there is. And we're, we've yet to see it because he's still perfecting it. And we're you know what? It happen in real time. I want to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say this is potentially what they have going on right now. The new city kickboxing. Gym. Yeah. I'm just saying poten- comes out till there is that, that potential gym. there. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking potential in one gym for damn sure. Yeah. I can't wait to see what fucking comes next out of there. And I I really want to I'm ready for Till the fight again so we can see if that it truly is the case or if comes out as just that shining fucking star holding the place together. Right. Yeah, it comes out really is the fucking glue or if he really is the motivation for everybody in that gym like they all seem to say he is. And, you know, how can he not be after a fight like that? And you could see him smiling as he's walking in the back. I had fun. I'm ready to do it again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's going to be a hell of a fucking ride to see what, what comes out's future holds for damn sure. Dude, this guy's the fucking limit for that kid. And the way he talks, he's got that. He's got that it factor, that Conor McGregor it factor, where he could be that fucking next blown up star in the fucking ufc yeah. he wins the title he's, yeah. he, oh he's gonna be a fucking megastar if he takes that fucking yeah belt he's it, he's gonna make conor mcgregor's um i'm the highest paid athlete go to fucking shame pretty goddamn quick at this rate he, he's about to take the fuck over everything yeah for damn sure might end up buying the fucking proper 12 <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh jesus tits oh uh, but from there though <clears throat> excuse me That'll bring us into this weekend's upcoming fights here. Uh, Two major cards going down this weekend. The first of which being Bellator 277 kicking off tomorrow, Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, McKee versus Pitbull 2. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a top to bottom banger. Bellator cards rarely are. But. Overall, I would absolutely say this card is better than the UFC card. The, the main said. portion of their card is definitely I was going to say, the main card section specifically. Prelims, maybe not, because the UFC prelims are actually stronger than the main, in my opinion. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but the prelims for Bellator are actually pretty fucking decent. There is indeed a Gracie on the prelims. Uh, not the most popular Gracie, not the winningest Gracie by any stretch of the imagination, but Halen is back. So we will see what he is capable of this time here. Um, but I'll say that a lot. I picked see... against him. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a Gracie jujitsu guy myself. So I was going to say, you know, damn well, if you've seen even, a couple episodes of this show we are pretty much all fucking gracie jujitsu homers for sure but 
we're also fucking realists too so yeah i mean the dude's fucking what is he he's pushing 40 now yeah yeah I, in his last couple fights have been fucking absolutely miserable yeah i mean yeah. But, I, I wish him the best but i don't have a lot of faith in him. yeah stick that to the combat jiu-jitsu world yeah no that that being said uh the main card itself is pretty fucking decent um, the Rafael Carvalho fight is going to be pretty fucking interesting. Um, the Tyrell Fortune versus Raheem Cleveland fight, I think, is going to be walrus fucking slap fight. So if you need something to giggle at, that's going to be your fight. Uh, the other hand, though, the follow-up from that walrus slap fight is going to be a legitimate big boy fight. Uh, Timothy Johnson coming fresh off of his Fedor fight against my fucking man, LDV himself, Big Swarm, Linton Vassal coming in to take that fucking mustache and beat the fucking ring clean with it. Uh, I, I will say, credit where credit's due, Tim Johnson has a puncher's chance, but I feel like that's all he fucking has in that fight. I think my man, LDV, down there at fucking Sanford is just too fucking polished at this point. That was my upset pick too. I picked as a, the one upset pick I picked on that card was Tim Johnson only because I know what he's capable of, but the fucking mustache, man, because he has one of the greatest mustaches in all of MMA. Like he can rival that of Dan Severns back in the day. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I will agree with that. Just saying. The, and the I was mustache like, game is probably Tim Johnson's strongest asset at this I, point. I, I tend, <laughs> I, and I, every card, I look at, I tend to go, I need to pick one just lopsided upset just to just put it out there. I know it's probably not going to happen, but I was like, well, fuck it. This is going to be my fucking pick for lopsided upset because Lynn Vassal is probably going to fucking murder him, but I'm going to go and play that oddball fucking left field thing and see what happens, you know? Because, you know, I, I, I like those high money chance on it. I can see, t- you know, taking that fucking Hail Mary swing on it. I, I get it. On the other hand, because the other Henry ones, I was like, they're not Jackson really in the quarter. That's yeah. a bold strategy. I'll give you that. Uh, that's why <laughs> I, find it, those... I find it hard to root against Henry Hoop these days, is what I'll say. <laughs> you know, you got to take those long shots once in a while. Otherwise, you don't make fucking money. Yeah, no, hey, I, I, I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle for sure. Um, now the next fight here is we use the term people's main event a lot here. And in this one, it doesn't really apply. This is literally just a placeholder term here. The third to last fight here. Uh, that being said, it's not an irrelevant fight by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Aaron Pico, uh, despite being thrown to the fucking wolves early on, has really started to get his shit together and get it dialed in. And if he gets past oddly Edwards, they're really going to have to start giving him some fucking top contenders here because they threw him in way too heavy, way too early. And he stumbled like most people do when that happens to them, but he regrouped, he got his shit together. He fucking started to really put the work in to develop better as a fighter. And that's showing the results. And to their credit, Bellator legitimately slowed down when they realized that they had put him into high of a talent pool and they let him start building himself back up. And he's getting to that point with experience and training time now that he's becoming a genuinely polished fighter. And 
it's not going to be much longer before you're going to have to start talking about him in that title conversation again, especially if he comes out this weekend and does serious work against Edwards. Like I kind of think he's going to be able to. Well, that he's on what now after the initial little fuckery that they gave to him to start, somewhat like a four or five fight win streak right now over there. I think he's in a four streak coming in here now. Yeah. Yeah. Like anybody who wrote him off previously was fucking wrong. He's a legitimately good fighter. He just needed that time to get his, for lack of a better term, sea legs under it. Right. And now that he's got him, he's in the swing of things. He's got his camps dialed in on how to do his camps. And it's shown. His last fucking couple fights, he's been an absolute monster. And to be honest, this is a good step up for him over in Adley Edwards there. And we'll... I'm I'm expecting big things at Aaron Pico this weekend. I unless he trips over his own dick, which I don't expect to happen. Um, you definitely got to start considering him for like title eliminator style fights. Right, right. Unless they're going to do another Grand Prix at 45 anytime soon, which they don't fucking need to. Yeah. It, it's going to be time to start talking about title eliminator fights for him. I I agree completely. Uh, that being said, though. Uh, the co-main event is the tournament championship for the Grand Prix that Bellator is wrapping up now with their light heavyweight division with their 205s. Vadim Nemkov with his belt on the line against Corey Anderson coming over to Bellator trying to take over. This could be a very, very interesting match. Aside from the fact that the belt is on the line, just stylistically, this one's going to be very interesting for me to see play out because Nemkov has got decent hands. I won't say great, but he's got decent hands, but he is a, a jujitsu practitioner. He is a submission artist. He wants to choke you the fuck out or break a limb. He'll stand with you if he needs to, but he wants to tap you out. Anderson, on the other hand, has pretty damn good hands, and his game is wrestling not submission though wrestling to ground and pound and more collegiate or greco-roman wrestling style grappling than actual submission games but his wrestling game is real fucking strong legitimate world-class real fucking strong wrestling this very well could come down to who can land the cleaner strike in the opportune moment because if it goes to the ground We've seen time and time again, great wrestling and great jujitsu can very much equal themselves out if the grounds or if the fight is on the ground long enough. But when there's a very close level and difference of striking here like this, and the fact that there is a belt on the line, well, technically two belts because it's the Grand Prix. So they get the, the fucking show belt and then the real belt as well. That's a lot of fucking pressure. So I think it very much is going to come down to who's going to be able to get those fucking proper significant strikes in when it really matters most. And in that point, I got to ironically lean more towards Nemkov. I, I absolutely give Anderson a damn good chance here, but I think the way this fight might play out, if it comes down to being a more precise and more well-timed striker, I have to lean towards Nemkov in that situation here. See, and that's where I'm on the opposite side of the fence of this. And it's not because of the striking, because to be honest, both of their strikings are fairly similar. There's not a huge gap in striking between the two of them. 
where it comes down to is the ground game for me. Yes, Nemcom, fucking great jiu-jitsu practitioner. Corey Anderson, world-class wrestler. In my experience, with the amount of fights that I've seen now, generally world-class wrestling does a very good job at nullifying any jiu-jitsu attempts. And a world-class wrestler that has learned to turn his wrestling into a great ground and pound really fucks up jujitsu. And so my thought on this is it's going to end up on the ground. However, look, we've seen this before. Two guys that are ground guys, this might just be a stand-up war. I'm thinking it ends up on the ground. I think because of Corey Anderson's high level of wrestling and the way that he's transitioned it into a great ground and pound game, because that's where he's got to where he's at. He can fucking murder people in the ground and pound. Yeah. I think that's where he has the edge. I think the ground is where he has a complete edge, not a, not a drastic edge, but a big enough to where he can nullify any attempts at submissions and just ground and pound the piss out of Nemkov. Do I see that happening in the first round or second round? No. We're talking third or into the deeper waters, fourth round, where he's worn him out enough. Because, look, Corey Anderson is surprising for a light heavyweight. He's got a great fucking gas tank, as does Nemkov. But I think there's just that fucking that slight edge with that wrestling and the way he uses it to set up ground upon that's going to completely nullify the fucking jujitsu. And I love jujitsu. Fuck, I trained jujitsu for a while. I love it. I absolutely love it. But watching fighters that have transitioned their fucking great wrestling into a great wrestling with ground and pound potential, it tends to really nullify the shit out of great jiu-jitsu practitioners and i don't know why that is but that's just in my eyes the way i've seen it don't me wrong there are those times where it doesn't but for the most part great wrestling tends to fuck with that shit and i don't know why but you know that's just that's just my outlook on it to be honest it can go either fucking way i'm i'm on the opposite side of the fence though i have to give that slight edge to Corey anderson just because of where i see his ground and pound game at with his wrestling I can see that for sure. Yeah, that's what I said. Anderson is a fucking world class for sure. Uh, it it's gonna be an interesting fucking fight. It's not gonna be a fucking easy easy match for either one of those fucking dudes. It's gonna be a damn earned belt for sure. Yeah, and, and to be honest, that is the fight out of all of the fights this weekend that I'm looking forward to the most. I'll say it fucking clean out loud. There's not another fight on any of the cards, whether it be this or the UFC card, that I'm more excited to watch than this tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I feel like it's probably the 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 one with the most potential for excitement, I think is the way to put it. Well, yeah, that and we're watching the wrap up of their Grand Prix and um, fucking somebody is going to walk out the undisputed fucking light world title on the Bellator side of the house. Yep. I'm just saying, get two shiny little straps. One doesn't mean dick except for you beat four other fighters on the way there. But hey, whatever. Be worth something someday to somebody on eBay, if nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Hard times, man. Uh, also right, selling that right. But um, neither one of those two are going anywhere. And I have a feeling, no matter how this fight plays out, 
we see those guys fight again in the future. I was going to say, I think this one's going to get run back either way it goes as well. I think these two are going to be fighting out for the top of that fucking division for the foreseeable future. The only way that that doesn't happen is if it is just lopsided one way or another. Yeah, if it's one-way traffic, they're they're not going to run it back. They'll make whoever it is earn it, but no, I I feel like it's going to be close enough to where this could be the next fucking potential trilogy that we're seeing line up right now. Yeah, and right now for Bellator, that's a great one to fucking have. Not to mention, it's a to be honest, it would be really great for Bellator if Corey Anderson wins that fucking title. And they can rub fucking Dana White's nose all over in it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't, and I'm not saying I wish any ill will towards Nemkov because he's a great fucking fighter. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm absolutely. just saying, as far as like, you stupid motherfuckers, how would you let him go and not pay him what he's worth? Yeah, just a little silver lining salt in Dana's fucking wound. That that would absolutely be a little cherry yeah. on top for sure. Now that being said. Uh, That will bring us to the marquee for tomorrow night's Bellator card. Uh, The rerun of AJ McKee Jr. versus Patricio Pitbull for the featherweight belt. Um, Now, I've seen a lot of people in the MMA world talking about this fight, but for all the wrong reasons. Everybody seems to get attached to the fact that AJ McKee is still undefeated as a pro fighter and that he came in and took that belt from Patricio the first time in, you know, no time. He's the greatest thing that's ever come. And he's the greatest featherweight in the fucking world. And nobody stops for a split second to look at the fucking resume. I, and I, I understand that immediately in saying that I'm going to get people who are going to say that I'm just being a fucking hater and I don't give a shit because I said the same fucking thing when Khabib got signed to the UFC and everybody said, oh, he's fucking 20, whatever, and oh, already. He... But look at the fucking names because if you beat 19 delivery guys before you fight your first legitimate contender, those first 19 wins don't fucking mean anything. AJ McKee was brought up start to finish in Bellator. His first however many fucking fights were fucking pizza delivery dudes. He made the vast majority of the O in his career significant by beating fucking nobodies. And I don't mean that maliciously. I mean, literally dudes who have never fucking fought before or have zero fucking professional wins on their resume. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. Look at his fucking record. I'm serious. And then he finally starts getting into some legitimate competition, the toughest fight he's ever had in his whole fucking career, Pitbull, and he gets in one of the craziest fucking fights there is, and then all of a sudden starts saying that he's demanding a million dollars per fight from here on out, and the longer it takes them to give him a million a fight, it's going to double every fight he has to go do, and if they can't do it by the time his three fights from the championship clause are up, he's leaving Bellator? What the fuck? Can we pump the brakes just a fucking little bit here? This dude with one win significantly in the featherweight division spent the last week calling out Alexander Volkanovsky after what he just did to the Korean zombie last weekend. Are you fucking serious right now? 
I am in no way, shape, or form a Pitbull Brothers fucking fan, and I bear no bones about that. They might have a good gym, but I think both of those dudes are way fucking overhyped. That being said, that fucking first fight was the flukiest of goddamn flukes to ever fucking fluke. Go back and watch that fucking craziness unfold and tell me any part of that fight was in a fucking game plan anywhere, and I'll call you a fucking liar to your face. That fight was insane and crazy, and it just so happened to work out in AJ McKee's favor. I don't think there's a fucking prayer of it happening that same way a second time, despite all the shit AJ McKee wants to fucking talk. I don't fucking care. He 100% jumped on his own fucking hype train after that win, at that last win and just took his exhaust pipe and put it right to his fucking nose. And he's been smelling what he's selling since then. He has completely overlooked this fight. He has completely overlooked his future in Bellator. He has convinced himself that he is it now. And this fight coming up tomorrow night is literally just a formality in the cementing of his greatness and the demands of his financial woes going forward. And I call bullshit. AJ, you know, he has, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. I was going to say funny that's all no aj mckee has spent the entirety of his title reign and i say that with air quotes for those of you listening talking shit about everyone in the 45 pound division from other organizations and completely overlooking the fight that he was immediately told he already had lined up in front of him in the rematch against pitbull We've said it time and time again, and I'm sure, unfortunately, we will have to say it many, many more times. When you go into a fight, specifically a fight this significant to your career and completely overlook your opponent, it generally tends to not go in your favor. And aside from how much I might not be a fan of Pitbull, the ignorance and assholishness shown by AJ McKee up until this point leads me almost no choice but to believe that Pitbull is taking his fucking belt back tomorrow night. All right. Now, where I started laughing almost immediately has nothing to do with what you're saying, because I agree 100%. I'm 100% on board with this. But something immediately popped into my head. As many times as you said fluke, my first, my thought went to, you can't say that in school. What? Boss? No, fluke. Can't say fluke, you fucking badass. Fluke, 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 fluke. If you don't get the reference, I'm sorry, but it's fucking funny to me. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I think Pitbull has got nothing but fucking animosity towards AJ McKee, and I think he has that fucking like we talked about earlier that Kamzat Chemaev esque fire immediately got into him he was right back in the fucking gym the week after they fought last time and has been grinding to try and prove that that was a fluke and i think it pays off hey mckee is in for a fucking world of hurt that's all i'm saying is look you credit where credit is due you did submit good on you for that after that though you let your fucking, you put the cart before the horse. 
is a good way to put this. Because you're expecting all of these great gigantic fucking paintings. Dude, look. You're I say this with all due respect. You're still in fucking Bellator. You're not where the greatest fighters in the world are. Look at the rest of your division there. There's a reason why you're 18 and 0 and you've been fighting pizza delivery guys. You probably wouldn't even make it out of the fucking contender series over on fucking UFC side of the house. You're going to talk shit about Volkanovski? That dude would absolutely fucking destroy you. Fuck, the Korean zombie would destroy you. I think at this point, the only way I'm even remotely okay with AJ McKee winning this rematch against Pitbull is if he immediately turns around and then demands his release from Bellator to sign with the UFC. I would be Otherwise, okay. You're just talking yeah. shit. And, and in that case, now the proof is in the pudding. Now you got to fucking back up all that shit you talked for realsies. Well, yeah, because if he loses here, everything he said, I hope the world, every goddamn fighter that he's talked shit on is going to come right back at him and just blast the fuck out of him. Avalanche. Oh, my God. It's going to be a social media avalanche if AJ McKee loses tomorrow night. It's going to break Twitter, dude. It's going to be just nothing but fucking mountains of fuck you from everybody just pouring onto that dumbass. Yeah. And to be honest, I hope that fucking happens, too. because And he'll have no one to blame but himself. And then he can go cry in a quarter and go back down to the bottom of the pile where he fucking belongs. Yep. Because like we say, but, with every, every other fight, everyone has a puncher's chance or a fucking grappler's chance. Say, there, there's, there's always, always the that off chance. So Patricio had a fucking bad day. It happens to all of them. A la fucking Amanda Nunes. Everybody has a bad day. Yes, sir. Just, you got caught and now you're Let's put it this way. Don't let your alligator mouth overload your canary ass. There you go. But with that being said, uh, that'll bring us over to Saturday's Kicky Punchy. Uh, Saturday evening, we'll kick off UFC Vegas 51, Luke versus Mohammed 2. Kicking off the prelims early, 4.30 Central Time Saturday afternoon. Like we kind of mentioned earlier, the prelims on the UFC are actually where most of the better fights actually take place with the main card kind of being dog shit. We'll get to that in just a little bit here. UFC is actually opening this card fairly fucking strong. Um, Kevin Kroon in the opening fucking match is always going to be fucking entertaining. Uh, Sam Hughes, a fucking highly touted prospect. Estella Nunez is coming in with a fucking hype train and a half behind her already. So that's going to make for a very interesting fucking ladies fight right out of the gate. Um, There's always a possibility of baby getting put in the corner when fucking Jordan Levitt's stupid ass comes out and does the splits in the octagon. But the real meat and potatoes, the real reason that everyone, in my opinion, is tuning in to the prelims is... Also, ironically enough, the one fight I don't understand why it's still on the fucking prelims, Beast Boy himself, Chris Barnett, 
is back in the octagon taking on Martin Boudet. Dude, so fucking excited to see him back, man. So excited. He's he is my other when it comes to heavyweights, he's one of my other guilty pleasures of probably loving way too much. Him and Bam Bam Tuivasa. Yep. Those two big boys, man, there is something about that that just makes that heavyweight division so much better with them in it. They breathe fresh life into a very stale heavyweight division, in my opinion. I agree completely. They're, the they're bringing the fun back to the heavyweight. Great for the fucking UFC. Yeah, they're literally bringing the fun back to the heavyweight division. Yes. I mean, it's not just a bunch of big fucking goddamn walruses fighting each other on a beach somewhere anymore. They're actually making it enjoyable to watch. That's all I'm saying. I completely agree. I completely agree. That's going to be a spectacular fight to watch. And I I wish Mr. Boudet the best of fucking luck because I feel like he's absolutely going to fucking need it. I... I think Barnett is just got a fucking head full of steam that's going to be real hard to stop at this point. I'm mention, I'm excited for another fucking um, Beast Boy front flip. That's all I'm saying. That's what I was going to say. And then the best part is that if he does win, we get potential fireworks again. So you yeah. can't fucking be mad at that. It's it's kind of like wanting a shoey, except for in this case, I want a front flip. Right, exactly. You know, if he wins, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> exactly. There's gonna be some sort of fuckery foot. Right. And then as if you needed more excitement and entertainment after that, we go from heavyweights back down over to lightweights, and we get Hafa Garcia versus Jesse Ronson, two bouncy little dudes who are gonna go absolutely ape shit, and that's gonna be entertaining as fuck. And if for some reason that's not enough fun, following directly behind them are two other gentlemen who are almost allergic to bad fights, if you will. Drakkar Close finally getting back into the fucking octagon and Brandon Jenkins trying to get some fucking revenge for the shit streak that he got stuck in the middle of for a little while there. Two other very interesting lightweight fights matching up. That's actually one of my dark horse picks for fight of the night possibility, the Jakar Close and Brandon Jenkins fight. Brandon Jenkins, man. Fucking A. Uh, assuming Jakar Close is fully healed from that fuckery that happened before. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's got potential to be one of the greatest fucking fights on this card Saturday night. Now, the other ladies' fight, I don't understand why they put both of these ladies' fights on the prelims either. Um, Not so much exciting in terms of divisional rankings, despite them actually being ranked next to each other, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, This is more of an exciting fight for me because Lena Landsberg is on an absolute fucking tear, whereas Pani Kianzad is kind of on the opposite, where she basically peaked at she plateaued at mid-tier, if you will, and is now on her way back down out of the UFC, as it were. And Lena Landsberg is quite literally elbowing her fucking way up to the top of the mountain. And I think this could be another very stellar performance technique-wise and, and skill-wise. I feel like Lisa Landsberg is just night and fucking day better than Kianzad here and stylistically should just be able to fucking tee off and put on a great fucking show. 
hope so, but Luna Landsberg's getting up there in age. She's fucking hit that big four zero mark, and it, look, there are diminishing returns with age when it comes to fighting. There are a few exceptions to the rule, but those are why they call them a few exceptions to the rule. I hate to say it, but I don't think she's going to be part of that few exceptions for much longer. No, no, that window is definitely fucking closing. But while she has the time, she has definitely been making the fucking most of it for sure, and. I, I think this might be one of those situations where we're going to see one of her last great performances, if you will. That being said, though, um, the quote-unquote premier prelim fight for this card is actually pretty fucking interesting, in my opinion, here. Um, Devin Clark has spent the vast majority of his career at light heavyweight, and is now this weekend moving up to full heavyweight to take on rising fucking lunatic in William Knight. William Knight has been handing out ass whoopings left and right with no fucking regard for who gets it. Those hands are rated E for everyone, and Devin Clark foolishly signed on the fucking dotted line to be the next one up. Moving up in weights is not fucking easy, especially talking about from heavyweight from light heavyweight to heavyweight going from 205 to 265 and i don't think william knight has come in any lighter than like 250 or 255 in any of his fights so far he's a good sized heavyweight and it's predominantly muscle which you see when he connects with dudes devin clark quite literally had half of his teeth busted out in one of his prior fights and doesn't have a great chin to begin with I do not see this going well for him. I think this is going to be William Knight just absolutely fucking mollywopping Devin Clark this weekend for the premiere to lead us into the main card. Yeah, to, to be honest, if Devin Clark makes it out of the first round, I will be fucking surprised. Yeah. That's why no fucking um, ifs, ands, or buts. I don't know if my card is flashed, but Said first round knockout night for a reason. Just saying, that's a big step up. Uh, Devin Clark is taking on going to the heavyweight division and then coming into somebody who has absolutely been mauling people when he's winning. Yeah, they're both coming off a loss, but heavyweight is a lot different than light heavyweight. There's a big difference in power jump up there. That's all I'm saying. 205 to 265, huge difference. Yeah. No, and actually, as we come into the main card here now, uh, I'll go ahead and, and pull our picks up. Here we go. So we're decide here. There we go. Okay, there we go. Now we can have our cards up there with us. So uh, moving into the main card, uh, the opening fight on the main card is actually extra interesting to me. Munir um, Laziz has been booked on this card for seven months now six months now at least and i believe he had three different opponents fall out on him and stayed on after everyone and said it doesn't matter find somebody i'll fight whoever i don't fucking care you gave me the date and i'll be ready on that date you just find somebody else to stand across from me and sure the fuck enough in just i think it was four days ago or five days ago they found another last minute replacement in I believe they pronounce his name Ange Lusa. I think is how they said it. 
we say it all the time, and I'll say it again now. Credit for stepping up on short notice, man. As long as you fucking make weight this weekend and show up and give it your fucking all, I got nothing against you. But rarely have we seen a short notice debut like this turn out in the favor of the guy making their short notice debut. Least of all against somebody who we've seen as capable of a fucking sniper as Munir Laziz. I wish you the best of luck. We've both got Munir by decision for this one, though. I, I think it's going to be a situation where the lights, the short notice, someone with more experience is just going to be too much. I think Laziz comes out there, and I think he does the damn thing. Got to love those uh, short notice guys. I, I love it. That's how you get your foot in the door. And if you make it somewhat of even a legitimately close fight, or you take a hell of a beating and don't go down, they're going to give you another fight just for stepping up on short notice. We've seen it. Uh, what was it? Chris Martinez got an extra fight because he took a fight that was way out of his fucking league. Granted, he got wrecked in his second fight, but they're going to give you another shot just for doing the right thing and taking that fucking short notice stuff. So uh, we could see Luso um, with another fight down the road um, as well. Okay. Everybody's got a bunch of chance. But moving along from there, uh, that will bring us to uh, the real Tommy V's favorite fighter. Pat Sabatini. Versus TJ Laramie in a very exciting featherweight prospect fight here. Two dudes who are absolutely allergic to boring fights and do indeed break out in punches. Um, I think that one's going to be fucking exciting. We've both got fucking Sabatini in round two. <laughs> TJ's got him by submission. I got him by KO. We both got Sabatini winning in round two, though. I, I like TJ Laramie. I just think he's not there yet. The irony in that is fucking great. The only difference that's going to make a difference on that for us is how he finishes him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I like TJ Laramie. I think he's got a bright future, absolutely. But I just think in this situation... Pat Sabatini is just levels ahead of him, man. Man, you know what's wild? Looking at our cards, they're pretty goddamn close. Yeah, There's only a fucking down, few yeah. differences. It's and it, it's a little wild seeing that, especially at this top of the card. And the only thing that they're really different at the top half of the cards is how we have the fights going. Right. Now, see, this next fight, though, this is that fight. And I try and make a point because there always is. Excuse me. This is that fight that I remind everybody, if you're not a hardcore fan and you need to time out that moment where you can get up and go to the bathroom or you can go make some popcorn or you can go get yourself a fresh wobble pop or let the fur children go run in the backyard and do their business, whatever the case may be. This is that fight where you can go do that. Myra Buena Silva versus Wu Yanan. There's nothing to get excited about in this fight. No, this didn't even make sense stylistically for the matchup. The the size difference that you will see if you do watch this fight between these two ladies is going to be notable. They're going to look like they're different weight classes when they get in there. 
And even if you're a hardcore fan, this is definitely a good time to go get yourself another whiskey, take a shit, you know, whatever you got to do. Because it's going to be 15 minutes of bullshit. For those of you who need a, a, a comparison or something to, to make this a little more relatable to, this is going to be the Wish version of Cyborg versus Wang, uh, Wiley Zhang. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what it boils down to. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Nice yeah. remember, restomp that growing. That's right. That being said, um, that'll bring us into one of the the few genuinely interesting fights in the back half of this main card here. Uh, Miguel Baeza stepping in against Andre Felio. Um, this one could be very interesting. This is two up-and-coming welterweight prospects Baeza being a, a striker, Felio being a predominant submission slash grappler, but a flashy one at that. Uh, Baeza is very much known for like jumping knees and crazy shit, whereas Felio is known for like quick guard takes and shit. It could be very interesting here. I just don't feel like Felio is, again, it's one of those situations where I don't feel like it's a complete mismatch, but I feel like Felio isn't quite up to the level experience-wise that Baeza is at this point. Not that Baeza is a world-breaker by any stretch of the imagination, still a prospect himself, but in terms of what they've shown and what they've been up against so far, in my opinion, I think Baeza's just got the edge. Yeah, that's about exactly how I looked at that. However, um, Baez has been kind of a knockout machine lately, so that's why I chose him to go knockout in round two. So, I, I mean, Thunder's he, got some hands, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just saying, there's a possibility out there, and you know, if I'm looking to retain um, the the wins in our little category of friends over here. I got to make some wild fucking choices to make some things line up. However, they don't always pan out. <laughs> I think I probably could have been better off doing the decision route, but you know, fuck it. Go for broke. Right. Sometimes you got it. <laughs> oh, but that unfortunately uh, brings us to what I alluded to earlier being the completely replaced co-main event fight on this card. This is one of those situations that makes it difficult to defend being a UFC fan to random casuals. Because this is a situation where we just gave you at least four to six great fights and reasons why they're going to be great fights that any of them could have been chosen as your co-main event and would have genuinely had reasons to bring eyes and get attention. And then we have what we're being given in two gentlemen who are both making their debut, one of which still doesn't even have a fucking profile picture on the UFC website as of right fucking now. 48 hours from him making his fucking debut still doesn't even have his character unlocked in the game yet. I have zero interest 
in this co-main event. I honestly do not give a flying fuck which of them wins by how or when. I have no reason to invest in this as a fan. It's literally just something I have to wait to be over before I get to see the Luke and Muhammad rematch. This is the epitome of going to a Ruth Chris steakhouse, which is pretty high in steakhouse. And they bring you out a fucking steak that's made out of fucking Play-Doh. It's literally what this is. They're they're forcing you to eat Play-Doh. Like the little bully in fucking kindergarten. I guess, to be honest, in, you know what? No, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Not I, even play I, I, I was going to say, I got to disagree with you because you can still make Play-Doh look like an appetizing steak. To me, this feels more like going to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, knowing you're going to one of the best steakhouses in the country, and they bring you out a plate of cold chicken nuggets and wet french fries. Yeah. You knew what you should be getting, but that ain't what you're going to fucking get. And at least the Play-Doh tastes better. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and you can have more fun with the Play-Doh. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, and why they know. didn't decide to switch that up, and why not bring the night fight to the co-main event? You could have brought the Jakar close fight, the Barnett fight, co-main event. All of those would have been a better decision than this fucking fuckery. But hey, I don't know, Dick. Yeah, literally. Any of the fights that we've talked about leading up to this would have been a better spot. There would have been a better match to put in the fucking co-main event of your fucking evening. But you could have given me the goddamn women's fight. You could have given me the goddamn Landsberg Kinzad fight. I'm just saying. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'd absolutely taken Lena Landsberg in that co-main event over this bullshit. Yeah, I would not have been happy about it, but I would have taken it over this. I'd have been happier than this, though. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, that being said, that will, however, bring us into the marquee matchup, the name on the title, the reason for the season, as it were, on this particular episode and Saturday night's card, Vicente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad 2. I got to say, I, I feel like this fight is almost more of a pacifier than anything else. Um, these two have already fought. And if you saw the gift that we used during the opening of this fight, you, you probably get a pretty good idea of how that fight went. Uh, Vicente Luque knocked Bilal Muhammad the fuck out in dominant fashion with very little resistance coming back in the process. Um. And the fights that both of them have had since that matchup do not, at least for me, inspire any confidence that Muhammad has developed or advanced his game since then. Whereas we have seen Luke quite literally dismantle the rest of the division in the time since they have fought. Um, it feels very much to me like this is the last fight Luke has to take before he is in that title eliminator fight at the same time because Bilal Muhammad technically has a no contest over Leon Edwards who's fighting for the belt right now and Bilal Muhammad will not shut the fuck up on Twitter ever the UFC is using this as sort of a a pacifier as a here's your chance to both right one of your previous wrongs and get yourself going in the right direction and get attention for the right reasons 
while realistically giving Luke a chance like, yo, style on this bitch again so we can get you in the fucking title conversation and keep him out of it forever. I don't think there's really much of a chance aside from Luke just quite literally tripping over his own dick walking into the octagon for Muhammad to win this fight. I think that Luke is literally better than him everywhere this fight could go, whether it stays on the feet and it goes to fucking ground. I don't care. I think Luke is just flat out better than him everywhere that it could go. And as both of our fucking cards here demonstrate, I don't think he sees the end of this fucking fight. I don't think the judges need to be involved no matter how it fucking plays out. I think Luke comes out of this smiling and smelling like a fucking rose. Yeah. Look, the only thing Blal has done is become a decision machine. That's it. He's a decision machine. He's not going to decision Luke. Luke is not a decision fighter. What was I watching? Was it on ESPN? I think the other day they were talking about top finishers in the UFC. Number one, Francis Ngannou. Number two, Vicente Luque. Out of the amount of fight, it was for any fighter over 10 fights, they were saying, that have had 10 fights in the UFC. Luque has the second highest finishing percentage of all fighters in the UFC with 10 or more fights. What does that tell you about the fucking man? He doesn't come in there to fucking go to the decision. He goes in there to fucking finish people. The only fight that he's gone to decision in recently memory that I can think of was the Wonder Boy fight and Wonder Boy. And, and that was a hell of a fight, too. Yeah, and Wonder Boy's a hell of a point fighter. That's the other kicker to that. So, I mean, hard to outpoint a fucking great point fighter. But, um, yeah, no, Luke is a fucking finisher. So, well, yeah. You get your chance to right or wrong, but it's only a chance. Nobody said it was a good chance. Our fucking picks. <laughs> There's reason for the season. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. No shit. No shit. Uh, there's there's absolutely a damn good reason that our card is so fucking close. If you look back and forth across the fucking screen here, these these are pretty fucking. I don't want to say they're predictable, but they're. They're easy to read and analyze fights. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Oh, that does not mean what we're picking here is going to happen because there is that fucking weird bunch of chance and strange shit happens once the cage door closes. That's all I'm saying. But chances are between the two of us, we're probably going to be between 70 and 90% accuracy. Yeah, most likely. And uh, as I've been dropping along in the chat here throughout the course of the show, uh, if you think you can do better than us, by all means, come give it a shot. Uh, We have got a group on Tapology who, first and foremost, does not sponsor or endorse this show in any way, shape, or form. But they do provide a free service in which you can make a free account on tapology.com and then join pick'em groups to quite literally make your picks about how you think these fights are going to go just like we do and then compete head to head for points 
with all of us, we have got an open group going. It is called I'm a No Bookie or Group 965. The link is down there in the chat. It is open to the public. Feel free to make yourself a free account and come go head to head in the picks with us. We keep track of them in real time as the fights go on. Uh, we're working on currently trying to put out some kind of uh, a live update ticker or something. I'm, I'm working on it. It's a little beyond my pay grade right now, but I'm working on it. Uh, but we have got the Tapology group. It is welcome and open to all of you. Feel free to come and join. Make your picks with us. Uh, we go over them throughout the course of the fight on Discord as well. Uh, and then we kind of go over the results of the uh, the scorecards on the what did I say show? Yeah. What did I say show live on Sundays? I'm just saying, if you want a crack of the belt, come get some, goddammit. <laughs> I've been having a pretty good run the last couple of weeks, with the exception of the one fucking fuckery. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's as can be testified on our behalf. Uh, we we keep a pretty good, pretty fun atmosphere in our our group of pickums, and uh, if if we can get it working out going forward, even though the the group is open to everyone, we will be able to have personal one-on-one call-outs and small mini-group call-outs uh, for head-to-head competition for individual events and stuff going forward here. We're working, we're doing some beta testing on that right now, but uh, the group is open. Feel free, come make your picks. Um, we also, if you look down at the bottom of the screen that has been scrolling through is the link to the Discord channel that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I promote the news that doesn't make it into the shows here gets posted up on there as well as just weird fucking stories that pertain to the MMA world throughout the week, get thrown up there. The live announcements. So you don't miss any of the shows all go up there. Fan Q and a all sorts of good fun stuff down in the description is the links to all of our social medias, as well as all of the social media for the show Thursday nights, 9 30 PM ish central time here on youtube.com slash. I'm no Joe. We do the show live come hang out in the chat it is a pretty good time if you do not want to or are not able to make it live on thursdays i understand i've seen this before as well fret not monami we've got you covered there as well the week after the show goes live here on youtube it is available in all audio format through your podcast consumption platform of choice at anchor.fm slash i'm no joe We'd appreciate it if you subscribe and give the thumbs up and notifications and all that good shit on any of the platforms that you happen to pick us up on. If you would like to help out what we do around here, the best way to do it, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe makes what we do a little bit easier and gives you behind the scenes access and access to the unaired and literally unairable crazy shit we have gotten up to here on the I'm no Joe channel and to make it all even that much better for as little as a dollar a month, you get your name at the end of every I'm No Joe video as an extra little thank you. That being said, if you like what we do, make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, watch a couple more videos. We'd appreciate it. If you don't like what we do, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you don't like? Give us a thumbs down and fuck off. We won't even dispute it. We'll take it and we're going to move on just like you should. That being said, That's all we've got for this particular episode. So until next time, folks, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything, unless it's Will Smith hosting the Oscars next year.
Good job. 